0: The only thing that can be more confusing about putting together a PowerPoint is having two controllers. <laughs> so, we'll see which one works. So, anyway, I trust that you are having a good day and that God has blessed because it can always be worse, right? <laughs> uh, I was, uh, I was thinking about this. Uh, um, I'm already gonna call and send an extra gift to camp because uh, whatever they're doing, it's it's going really well. And uh, I noticed that uh, Kelsey realizes that dishes at home aren't that bad. <laughs> so I, I got up this morning and the dishes were magically done, and I was like, "Oh, I don't have to do the dishes." So thank you, Kelsey, for doing the dishes and uh, but anyway, and by the way, Ben and Jeb we just we call it controlled chaos, you know, and uh, so you got to have a little bit of chaos in order to maintain a little bit of control so <laughs> but anyway so uh, i i 'll uh, apologize for the PowerPoint. I did it at the beginning of the week, so i don 't remember exactly everything that was in it. I guess I should have. Looked at it so, uh, but anyway, as we get ready to start a new series for the rest of the summer, and that is, what is a healthy church? And that should be a good question on all our minds, right? What constitutes a healthy church? Um, how do we have a healthy church? How do we maintain a healthy church? Uh, we, you know, your mind can go in all sorts of different directions, you know, vitamins are a good thing. So what does the Bible talk about, you know, what shot in the arm do we need as a church? We in that this is meant to piggyback on what we've been talking about in the gospel, but we're going to kind of start going in a different direction. And as we have thought about the gospel, the good news that God took and took all of our bad, replaced it with all of his good so that we can enjoy peace with God and no longer be under his wrath because of our sins. Because he paid for our sins through the cross. We now enjoy life with him. As we think about that, we want to talk about what continues to make a church healthy. I don't know about you, but health is a good thing. So I thought I'd throw up just a couple of pictures to get our mind working. So start with a blank page. So um, how about this one? Anybody remember this guy? So does a healthy church mean we we force you to sweat? You know, work really hard. Come to church, work really hard, and sweat a lot, and you'll be healthy. Does that make a church healthy? So uh, this uh, Richard Simmons guy. How about these guys? Anybody remember the 80s? Uh, Hans and Franz. We even saw him in a Super Bowl commercial a few years ago. Uh, we're here to pump you up. You know, they got the Arnold thing going. But here's the thing is, is, is a, you know, a church is going to come, and, and if you come to a church and we're just going to pump you up, is that going to make you healthy? Um, or what would just be a, a bag of wind a lot like those guys? Getting a little more serious, how about this? Does this constitute a healthy church? I well, get your mind thinking. Um, this is what ABC News had to say. Uh, snappy music and a smidge of the Bible makes for a winning and profit I was supposed to say and profitable, a winning and profitable church. That's from ABC. Winning and profitable Something to think about. Does this constitute a healthy church? Something to think about. So what makes a church healthy? That's kind of what we want to look at this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For the sake of time, and so Camp Gilead could get to camp on time, uh, because Camp Gilead isn't the actual camp. It's all the leaders going to camp. So in order for camp to work, we need to get them there. So, this morning we want to look at chapter 5, but we're going to piggyback off of what Daniel read to us. And we're going to look at verses, uh, we're going to look at the whole chapter, but I'm going to read for you, finishing off on verse 16 through the end of the chapter. And so let's pray. Lord, as we look at what makes a church healthy, Lord, may we listen to you. May we not um, be distracted by the world, the things of the world, the cares of life, all our desires, the things that are going on. And Lord, may, as we sang in that wonderful hymn, may we tune, may you tune our hearts. Lord, we desperately need your tuning to set us back uh, to where we need to be. And so, Lord, I pray that as we look at these verses, may your word encourage, enlighten, and, Lord, move us back into tune with your will. And help us to be encouraged and find great joy in the work that you desire to do. And, Lord, may we desire it also, to work with you doing your work. Lord, remove me remove my words the distractions lord may your word come through loud and clear in jesus name we pray amen so the first thing we're looking at as we look at second corinthians chapter 5 you know it's interesting in first corinthians paul's very upset with the church they've they have no assemblance of the gospel they've lost the, the importance of the cross of christ they're overrun with problem after problem after problem every chapter has multiple problems within the chapters of first corinthians and he's trying to get them back on track and, and he brings forth 1 corinthians 13 and says look this is the most important thing is christ what he has done for us god's love not love defined by the world but his sacrificial love that was demonstrated through the gospel, through Christ dying on the cross for our sins. And now he gets to 2 Corinthians and says, now look, now you need that gospel and you need to use it in God's ministry. And it's interesting as you see this transformation in 2 Corinthians starting to take place. And so we want to look at this and we want to look at one of the aspects of a healthy church and what will make a church healthy is a good understanding of evangelism. Not just doing evangelism, but understanding what evangelism is, so that we, we, that way we can be a part of it. That's really important. To, if you're going to be a part of something, it's good to understand what it really is, so that way you don't make mistakes, right? It's, uh, there's lots of silly things that you can do. I c- could tell on myself all day long about, you know, my understanding. My understanding of farming, is this limited? Uh, praise the Lord for a green thumb. I haven't killed anything yet. So, <laughs> but, uh, but here's the thing, is, is we need to understand what does God tell us about evangelism? So let's read 2 Corinthians 5. We've already heard verses 10 through 15. Let's look at 16 through 21. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God. who who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing, that means counting, not accounting their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as through God we as though God were pleased through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him He has given us the ministry of reconciliation That's basically a part of what it means to evangelize. Uh, An evangelist or uh, a theologian back in the day, he said this, God forbid that I should travel with anyone a quarter of an hour without speaking of Christ to them. God forbid. His prayer, as reading through his biography, his prayer was that he would talk about Christ every day to anybody that he met he said, if you want to become a good preacher, preach on Christ. Preach on Christ in the morning. Preach on Christ at lunch. Preach on Christ at dinner time. Preach on Christ every day. Don't let your head go down to sleep until you've preached Christ. And then you might scratch the surface of becoming a good preacher. That was interesting. He was all about Christ. Christ. And that's the idea is when we think of evangelism, a lot of times we think of different ministries, we think of different programs, we think of how can we, you know, like what can we do to invite a lot of people so we can just, so we can throw the gospel out there. But that's not specifically what evangelism is. So, what is evangelism? In your notes, it says evangelism is. Evangelism is this. As we look through this whole chapter, we see this embodied here. Evangelism, presenting the good news freely. And trusting God to convert people. Preaching the good news freely and often. You know, it's amazing. The more that you talk about the good news of what God has done, the easier it gets. The less you talk about Christ, guess what? The more fearful you are. The more you talk about it. Let me put it this way. What is the greatest thing you like? What is the greatest thing you like? Hmm. Sometimes, after spending an hour with somebody, I can kind of figure out what they like the most. Because it's usually what they talk about the most. I find out where their treasure is. I find out what they're worshiping. I find out what their idol is. I find out what their desires are. Because they talk about it a lot. This is evangelism, is telling forth the greatest treasure you have. Is presenting that presenting good news freely, trusting God to change people's life. Let me put it this way evangelism is not getting emotional response, evangelism is not meeting somebody's needs. Evangelism is not an event. Evangelism is not hype. Evangelism is not being able to win an argument. Yay. (laughs) Remember we talked about that? We ended with that last week. It's about love. It's about the gospel. It's about what God has done for us. It's not about an argument. It's not about getting people to raise a hand. It's not about understanding knowledge it's not about social justice what is evangelism it is sharing the good news of what god has done for us that we cannot do for ourselves look at the motivation i want to look at these three things we're going to go through quickly the motivation for paul's evangelism to share the gospel what was his motivation to share the good news? What was his motivation to, to want to tell people about Christ? What Christ did for him? How amazing Christ was. Remember, he met Christ on the road to Damascus when Christ revealed himself to him? By the way, did Christ reveal himself to Paul years before that? Yeah, through God's word, through other people, but, Christ, but Paul ignored it. But what was Paul's motivation? What should be our motivation? What is the message? If we're going to understand, have a good understanding of evangelism, we know, need to know what the, uh, the true motive is. We need to know what the real message is. And we need to know what our true mission is. All these three things. I'm working good on my alliteration these days. Motivation, message, and mission. In order to understand, that is just, this is just one aspect. We could talk about it for hours on end. But I want to look at these three things. The motivation of Paul's evangelism can be seen in verses 1 through 10 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. A true faith in Jesus Christ will not suffer us to be idle. Paul was not idle. He constantly was going from church to church to church, from community to community to community. He longed for different communities. He longed to share the good news of what God had done for him. It is not idle. Uh, One man put it this way, he says, I am tired in the Lord's work, but I'm not tired of it. We do, we get tired sometimes in the Lord's work, and that's okay to be tired. But I'm never tired of the Lord's work. The motivation of Paul, we can see, he embodied that. How many times did he get beat up? How many times was he persecuted? How many times did he get left for dead? How many times did he return back to the same people that just beat him up? So what was his motivation to tell people about the good news, about the gospel? Well, he didn't view this world as his eternal home. Well, I mean, look at it. He says, we know in verse 1, we know when our earthly house is, house is just a tent. This shell of my life is just a tent that's going to be destroyed someday. And he says, we have a building that is from God. He said, he's, his motivation was, this world is not my home. And guess what? And because this world is not my home, I need to go share with a bunch of people because I'm going to be gone one day and I'm not going to be able to tell people about Christ. One day they're going to be in one of two places. One day they're going to have to give an account for their life before God. And they're either going to go to hell or they're going to go to heaven. And i got to make sure I know where they're going to go. Verse 1, he says, One day this tent of mine, this body of mine will be destroyed. And frankly, I'm I'm like, I'm ready for it. (laughs) We were out fishing the other day. We came back and it's like, Oh, those waves are so pounding your body, man. I, we're going to have to wait till it's like a lake out there. <laughs> I can't wait for a new body in heaven. I can't wait to just sit in front of God's feet. You know what? Realizing that this is not all that the world has to offer should motivate us to talk more about Christ. 1 through 5, he was not fixated on the earth What motivated him was he was so fixated on his heavenly home. Verses 1 through 5. In verse 9, we notice something he says, Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to God. His motivation was because he wanted to please God. He wasn't focused on the earth, he wasn't focused on his earthly home, he was focused on God, he wanted to please God. Verse 14. God's love controlled him. God's love, the fact that God loved him, that God sacrificed his life for him, that he became sin for him, that Christ felt the whole wrath of God. That was love. Paul is fixated on that love. Look at Philippians chapter 3. The one thing I do, forgetting everything else in my heart, I press towards, I agonize, I I that Greek word for I'm going to strive with every ounce of my being for Christ in chapter 3 of Philippians. His motivation was the love that God had for him, that poured out for him. Verse 15 that we saw when we read this morning, it says that he no longer lives for... said he, And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. You know what motivated him to evangelize was to no longer live for self. He no longer was fixated on himself. Nothing will motivate you more than if you go out and just begin to watch people and then realize that one day those people May not go to heaven. Those people may experience hell for a rest of eternity, and you'll all of a sudden realize you'll stop worrying about my elbow that I just smacked. You'll stop worrying about your toe that you just hit or got ran over. <laughs> got my toe ran over yesterday. Uh, you'll. It would likely. It was just an aluminum boat. It was okay. So. <laughs> Uh, you, you'll be surprised as all of a sudden your little aches and pains don't matter because eternity is at stake. And it'll motivate you to, you'll stop fearing. Your fear will be that they'll go to hell. Your fear won't be, oh, they may not like me anymore. That's like saying, watching somebody going into a burning building and saying, just going up to them long enough to say, hey, the building's on fire in the back. You don't want to go in there and pull them out and then start to show them the smoke. And, and how, if you saw somebody constantly going in, wouldn't you do everything you could to pull them out? Not for fear of yourself, but fear that they might die? That was Paul's motivation. That, we got to understand the true motivation behind evangelism. is. Otherwise, the church is not going to be healthy. It's going to be just a bunch of people jazzerizing, like Richard Simmons, getting all sweaty, and then collapsing of a heart attack one day. <laughs> if you don't know, he had a heart attack. He didn't die, but here's Mr. Healthy Man. You know, It doesn't matter. When God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And then we rejoice for the life that God has given us. Or we're going to be about pumping people up. But no, our motivation is what's going to happen one day. Our life with God, or our life apart from God. What is the message? The message of evangelism. Very simple. Look at verses 14 and 15. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we judge this, that one died for all, and then all all died. God died for us. Why? That's an important question. The evangelism isn't just that Jesus paid for our sins. It's that he took the wrath of God. Do you understand that? That you deserve all. We all deserve. I deserve all of God's wrath. God is holy. He is holy. Do you grasp? We spend far too much time comparing ourselves to other people and not to God's holiness. The message of evangelism is this, that God died for us because we deserve His wrath, but Jesus took all of that wrath on the cross so we could have a life with Him. Look at verse 18. It says, Now all these things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ. God is... The message of evangelism is is that God is restoring a relationship. He's restoring a sinner who deserves to go to hell, and He's restoring it and providing His righteousness instead to restore a relationship with God. That's the message. God died for us. He paid for our sins. God is restoring our relationship with Him because we deserve Him. I don't know I like that is is that he fixed our sin for us verses 16 through 19 we see that in there he fixed our sin he fixated on our sin he fixed our sin he he took care of our sin I love that we're no longer uh, we're a new creation in Christ we have a new life in Christ he fixed our life That's our message of evangelism. Without Christ, we have nothing. With Christ, we have everything. What's our mission? Problem is, is a lot of churches forget what their mission is. Our mission is not a social club. Our mission is not... There's so many things that churches are today. But our one true mission is evangelism. And I'm not talking about programs. It is a life of evangelism. I don't know about you, but when you read Matthew 28, he says, go out and make disciples. By the way, do you notice there? Make disciples is evangelism. You have to go tell. You have to go proclaim. And it doesn't stop with just telling somebody the good news. It's in the process of making disciples. That means walking along with them, picking them up, building them up, helping them know Christ, know God, love God, live in God. Our mission is to proclaim the gospel, the good news. I love this quote by another Bible teacher. He says, other men may preach the gospel better than I, better than I but no man can preach a better gospel. There's only one gospel. That gospel is Christ, dying on the cross for our sins, taking the wrath of God. If you notice in verse 19 through 21, he calls us ambassadors. By the way, ambassador, a good ambassador, doesn't just live a good life in another country. That's been a, by the way, that's been a fad over the last, since the 90s, lifestyle evangelism, just live a good life, show them Christ by your life. The problem is, is that too many things, our lives are so busy that nobody has time to even look at your life. Right? Our mission is, by the way, ambassador speaks for the king, speaks for the master, speaks for the president. It's getting hard these days for our ambassadors, but think about it. Right? You have to speak, proclaim, share. Our mission is to share the good news as an ambassador. He makes His appeal to the ungodly through us. Did you get that? That's in our, in our verses, verse 19 through 21. He makes His appeal to the ungodly through us. An appeal, that's a voice, that's a pleading. When was the last time you pleaded with somebody, give your life to Christ? By the way, I love this verse because he's telling everybody these commands are to a a group of believers to do this in their life. This is not connected to any program or just a church gathering. It is an outward purpose in our daily life. Daily. To really be a healthy church, we need to understand this is what our mission is. To be God's ambassador. To appeal to the ungodly. To come to Christ. To give their life to Christ. We are partners in the gospel. Philippians 1, 5 through 6 says, we partake. We are partners in the gospel. To Matthew 28, make Disciples. Jesus told his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. All right? Told a group of fishermen, unruly group of guys, I'm "Not stop fishing, go fish for men. That's what we are. We need to be fishers of men. He told the leaders in the church in Ephesians 4, equip the church to do this ministry. The church is to proclaim God's written word. I want to close with this. As we think about an application, I want want you to think about this. Why do we have churches that look like, you know, aerobics workout centers? Why do we have churches that look like a bunch of puffed up puffs of wheat that are about ready to blow away, (laughs) right? Uh, Why do we look like churches that look like a bunch of rock concerts, Right? Why do we have that? Because we have a wrong view of evangelism. Our job isn't just to gather a bunch of people in church or is to make people feel comfortable in church. Our our job is to go out and, and see God save people. The problem with evangelism in church today is this, is as we look for immediate results, guys, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's about being obedient to the Lord. We can't look. It's up to God to save people. We have the wrong view of evangelism. If we're looking for results, that's why we have churches that look like those pictures I was showing you. They're looking for results. they got to win. they got to profit. In fact, in an interview, ABC asked that pastor, who said, how much of your church growth is directly rated to your music sales? And he says, Oh, well, we're a nonprofit, so we really don't know. Baloney. They took, they, they refused to allow the ABC to film them taking an offering. It was interesting. To hear him hum and haw. What are the we're too many people, when they think of evangelism, they think of results based. It's not what evangelism is, it's a life. That is dying. The second thing is evangelism tends to be more feeling than gospel. Oh, do they like God? Do they feel good about God? Do they feel good about church? Yay, they're a Christian. I mean, just look at 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 4. The they, church in Corinth had it all wrong. They, 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 in fact, every one of those pictures I showed at the beginning of the message, that's kind of what the Corinthian church looked like. It's what a lot of our churches look like today. Evangelism tends to be more... That's why evangelism fails, by the way. True evangelism. That's why the church is not healthy. Third thing is evangelism points to God, not... Too many people, oh, come to my church. You'll like my church. You come do this. We tend to focus on a group of people, and then when they come here, they see a bunch of imperfect people, and they're like, what is there to like? Bunch of unruly sheep that like to bite and kick and scratch. Boy, they need to be sheared a little bit. (laughs) We are promoting the church and not God. God. That's why evangelism fails a lot. Evangelism needs to point to God. The church, by the way, is not our final destination. Heaven is. Right? Heaven is. You're catching me if I don't push this? (laughs) There we go. So I uh, printed my notes front to back, so I'm kind of lost. Here we go we we believe that evangelism is extraordinary. Oh, it's going to take this extraordinary effort. And and so it's so it's it's a little it's above and beyond. You know, if I just go to church, I read my Bible, I say my prayers, I'm doing what's ordinary, but evangelism is extra emphasis on extra ordinary. Right? No, it's not. It is the primary you haven't experienced your true walk with God until you really start to begin to tell others about your love for God. And I, I can't express this enough. It is just nothing brings me more to tears than when I see somebody come to Christ and give their life to Christ. Um, newborn babies and newborn Christians I just, they make me cry every time. There's just something about that. Stop believing that it's extraordinary. The Holy Spirit is supernatural. He's in charge. Praise the Lord, I'm not in charge. Because I'm, I'm just somebody. God is supernatural. And He's told us this is our mission. The, the, next thing there is this. Churches slash people don't talk about the cost of following Jesus. Come to Christ and everything will be great. (laughs) Right? Come to Christ and everything will be great. It'll be easy. He'll give you everything you need. Well, yeah, when you get to heaven, but you still have to be under the pressure cooker right now. Right? We're in a pressure cooker in this world. And we're under a lot of pressure. And it's hard, and it hurts, but it's okay because it's not bad. It's just God removing all the impurities out of our life until one day we stand before him, purified and holy before a holy God. Yeah. But the church and us, we focus too much on prosperity and goodness and all these things and less on what is it going to cost. The last one is, is because of all of these other things, we become unclear on what the real message is. We become unclear on what the real message is. That's why you see it in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul's reminding him, this is the message. This is our message. The gospel, 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 5. Mark 1, Jesus even said, he said, this is my message. Repent and believe because the kingdom of God is at hand. Our message is clear. It's not our message. It's His message. We're not the masters. He's the master. We're just ambassadors. We're servants called to share His message. Guys, if, if we want our church to be healthy, we want it to be growing, but we need to understand God's version of evangelism it's about him it's about him and only him it's not about how we feel it's not about what we like it's not about me it's about him is that your message by the way it is our message out there it's not it's not supposed to be a program it's supposed to be our life going and being an ambassador out there if you're expecting say when are we going to do evangelism and you mean when are we going to have an event that's not evangelism that's an event i may share the gospel with somebody but that doesn't mean that you're evangelizing because you went to that event unless you share the gospel with somebody that's great the good news The blessing is is you don't have to win the argument. I I love talking it with our Romeo retired. I'm blessed. I'm the only un-retiree. I'm not retired, right? And I get to sit with all these old retired guys and I get to listen to a lot of wisdom. And they tell me a lot of mistakes and they tell me all these things that they were talking about that whole idea. And it was fun. I love it. It's not... Guys, evangelism is about God. Will you share that message? I I shared this with a junior high kid, eighth grader, one kid. I said, do you believe this to be true? He goes, yes. Do you believe that God is commanding you to do this? Yes. Do you need to do this? Yes. And I said, then the real question is, will you do this? And he answered yes really fast to everything except that one. And he stopped and he thought about it for a while and he said yes. Next week four of his friends came to the Lord. Those four friends brought four more friends each. Within two years we had over 60 baptisms and 80 first time confessions for Christ. Not rededications but people off the street who gave their life to Christ. And I wasn't the evangelist. I just told them what evangelism was and what they were responsible to do as an ambassador to Christ. So I'm asking you that question. If you believe this is true and you see this from Scripture, that this is God's will, will you do it? If you'll be obedient to Christ, if you'll be obedient to God's will, to God's word, to him, he will do things that we can't do. And he will make this church healthy. He will make this community healthy. But it'll be him and not a program. It'll be him and not some performance. It'll be him doing the supernatural things that we can't do. And then we'll have to start doing a lot of things to keep up with the growth. Trust me, we'll have to do a lot, but God will provide it. But it's on the other side. My question to you is, will you be obedient to this type of evangelism that God is calling us to? We can't, don't have time to go over all the scriptures, so go back this week and read through the scriptures and, and, ask, and answer that question and see what God will do in your life. In the life of our church. Lord, I simply ask that your will would be done. And Lord, that you will help us to not distract our community from what your real message is. And Lord, that we'll see many come to Christ, that they'll give their life and realize that they can't do good. We can't do good. Only you are good. Lord, we deserve death. And Lord, I pray that with all my heart that you would call people to you and that we would be obedient to share that message. That they are dying and going to hell and they need to give their life to you. May anyone here, Lord, knows that, that they need to give up their life and, and say, Lord, I need to respond to your call. Your call to say, here am I, Lord, I need you. Save me. I, I am a sinner. I need you. Save me. Lord, I pray that your spirit would just pull, pull them, draw them, do whatever it takes, Lord, right now. And Lord, save them. Lord, I pray that we'll be a church that answers yes to that mission to evangelize our community, and our world, our neighbors, and really love people around us the way that you loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.